My name's Johnny Summers, and I like the finer things in life. I'm talking delicious ice-cold beer. I'm talking nice wine, appetizers, friends, patio, dogs even sometimes. Yeah, I'm talking about the Handlebar. 2070 East 20th Street. They've got delicious food, an amazing happy hour, seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m., where you're going to get money off of any one of their draft beers, which there are a ton of. You're also going to get half-off bottles of wine. There is no reason to not get down there. Again, that's the Handlebar at 2070 East 20th Street, right here in Chico. Go check them out. Tell them Fresh Ops Cinema sent you. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema. This is a craft beer and movie podcast and radio show based in Chico, California. I am Max Minardi. Johnny Summers here. What is happening? This week on the show, our review of Amsterdam. It's the latest from director David O. Russell and follows the story of three friends in the 1930s who witness a murder, become suspects, and must clear their names while tunneling deeper and deeper into the discovery of one of America's most troubling and absurd conspiracies. Beers this week are going to be Mosaic Stack from Russian River out of Santa Rosa, California. For Max, that is an IPA. It is 6.5%. And for myself, I am going to be having a spiritual moment and also a beer. <laughs> uh, that is from Slice Beer Company out of Col- uh, Lincoln, California. It is 7% ABV, and it is a hazy West Coast IPA. Yeah, we're, we're in separate locations this week, so we're each drinking a beer that we found at our respective favorite bottle shops, probably, in those locations. So we'll see how that goes. But if you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, we hope you're having a fantastic Thursday evening. As a quick heads up, you're only going to be hearing the first 30 minutes of our show, which includes my thoughts on Mosaic Stack and the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of Amsterdam. But if you are so inclined to listen to the show in its entirety, which includes spoilers for Amsterdam, a second beer review by Johnny Summers, and Hot and Bothered, which is the portion of the podcast where we generally abandon formal structure and just talk about things that have a super stoked or kind of irritated, Johnny will tell you what to do. Yeah, you can find this here podcast called Fresh Hop Cinema on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, etc. We release new episodes every Friday morning at 7 a.m. and I've been doing so since 2016. If you like the show, go leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and let us know you did. It really helps us get into those suggested feeds. And to hang out with us on social media, just search Fresh Hop Cinema wherever you're at on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, Untapped, or head over to our website, Fresh Hop Cinema. That's right. Really quickly, we also have a way to support our show via Patreon. If you don't know what that is, it's a way for you to give us a certain amount of money per episode. And in return, we give you access to all of our behind the scenes content. We'll do sometimes bonus beer reviews, bonus movie reviews, bar hangs. Uh, Shout out to everybody that came to the handlebar for our October bar hang. That was super fun. Shout out to me for providing oat milk so Johnny would drink a white Russian with me. Uh, so if that stuff sounds fun, you can sign up on patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema for as little as a dollar per week. And it really helps us keep the show running. Johnny, am I missing anything on Patreon? Nope. We'll shout out your birthday if we remember. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that's what we try to do. And I think I think we shouted out Raleigh's last week, but in case we didn't, it was Raleigh's birthday recently. So uh, I, I didn't we- even know there was any birthdays recently. I was just saying we do. It's a thing. It's <laughs> no, a there service was. we provide. Oh, we didn't record last week, dude. That's what it was. Yeah. Uh, so no, I guess we're shouting it out now. Raleigh, sorry we missed your birthday, but we were off the air, and that's why it didn't happen. So we will shout out your birthday on Patreon um, as soon as we get back on the air, I suppose. 
And with that, that is our housekeeping out of the way. So let's let me, I guess, get into beer number one. Johnny, like you said, it's called Mosaic Stack. It's from Russian River out of Santa Rosa. Of course, it's an IPA. It's 6.5%. And the untapped description goes something like this. Mosaic Stack is brewed with 90% Mosaic and 10% Simcoe and embodies a more modern West Coast IPA. This easy-drinking beer has a beautiful hop aroma and flavors followed by a dry, hoppy finish. I have it in my glass, and I think I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that the first time we ever recorded an episode of this show it was obviously in 2016, but we drank exclusively Russian River beers. And we, maybe for the first time in recorded history, obviously, uh, hashed out the Pliny versus Blind Pig debacle. Would you just remind me, Johnny, of those two beers, which do you prefer? Uh, Blind Pig, all day. Yeah, and I prefer Pliny. And I remember thinking, even then, this will be a start of a beautifully contentious beer relationship, and it hasn't changed since then. Um, have, have you heard of this beer, Mosaic Stack? Yeah, I actually just tried it the other day once you told me you were going to be doing it. Okay, where did where did you get a chance to try it? It was on draft at Burgers and Brew here in Chico. That's awesome, because I got the impression, I found it here at Craft in Reno, and I was under the impression that it's a pretty new beer. The one that I'm holding in my hand was bottled on September 14th, so it's about a month old, and I'd never heard of it before. H- had you heard of it? Um, No, no, I just went in and they had a new uh, Russian River Tap, and always got to try out the good stuff. Those guys are pretty good at making beer. Right. So it's always worth checking it out at least. Well, I'm, I'm going to try it, but actually this is a rare circumstance where you've actually had the beer that I'm going to drink. So what did you think of it? Um, well, let me know after you've tried it and I will give you a full rundown. All right, fair enough. I, I, it, it was, you know, it's always intriguing because these guys are such titans in the hop game. I mean, Pliny the Elder really changed most of a industry's distribution model in that, you know, they were creating a supply and then controlling the demand and created a real hype. Yeah. I mean, they were one of the first hype breweries on the West coast. And, uh, luckily we're close enough to them that we got some of their limited distro way back in the day. Sure. And, uh, we're getting kegs all the time now. Um, I can tell that you're, you're you've tried it. So I will tell you what I thought. Okay. Uh, I thought this beer was very mid. I thought it was fine. It was not outstanding. Um, very, very hoppy. Obviously, it's a hop-forward beer. Um, I would have liked a little more balance. I thought it was real kind of abrasive, almost astringent. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. It was just a really solidly average like West Coast IPA. Very earthy, if I recall, too. Interesting. I, I think for me, the things that I enjoy most about a Russian River IPA, I think I think clean is kind of the name of the game when it comes to their beers. I just have always appreciated that in, in any of their hop forward beers. It's always a very clean drinking experience. And that was my first impression here. It's just super clean. It looks uh, just, just maybe a hint orange, but really kind of a pale straw yellow, a bit of carbonation still. And it smells very, very strongly. Of, of, yeah, of hops. It's very bright. I'm going to take one more sip here, and I can give you a little bit more um, specificity. Do it. And there's always going to be a little variance from draft to bottle, but, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't mad at it. It was absolutely fine. Like, if they had, you know, Happy Hops or Blind Pig, I'd probably go for that over that. But if you're, like, really into the Mosaic Hop, this is, this is for you. It just, I don't know. It, it was okay for me. Yeah, I, I like it quite a bit. I like mosaic hops a ton. Um, it's They're just extra, extra citrusy, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. I, if I'm not mistaken, some people have called mosaic like a like a citra hop on steroids. Um, but there's, of course, other notes there too. I, I really like it, man. Um, it's bright. It's hoppy. I don't think it's aggressively – or that's not right. It is aggressively bitter, but I don't think it's off-putting. 
um, I'm digging what I'm getting. And I'm totally there with you. There is often a difference between bottle and draft. I'd be curious to know how fresh that keg was. I would guess super fresh. Yeah, probably the same batch. Um, I know this is around town too. So if I have a wild hair, maybe I'll snag a bottle this week and try it out. I brought you one. I got an extra. Sick. Yeah, I figured I figured if we were going to talk about it on the show, you might get curious. So I've got an extra one. Um, but I, yeah, I'd be willing to bet it's, if it made it all the way to Reno from Santa Rosa, it's probably in Chico too. Yeah, we've been seeing a lot of Russian River bottles up here, which is pretty dope. Yeah, dude, they actually put out... Well, there's there's another one that I picked up as well. I got. I wasn't sure which one I was going to do for the podcast, so I grabbed this this other one that you and I can split. I can't think of the name right now, but it's a blue label and uh, was equally as intriguing, but I just kind of swung this way because it said Mosaic, and I love Mosaic. Oh, I think I've seen that one. Is it like row 93? No, it's, it's not one of their rows. It's... um. I don't know. I can't remember. There was it was a it was a strange word. That's all I can remember. I was like, oh, that's something I don't. I don't even think I know what the word means. It might have been. A, right. It might have been a made up word. Was it one of their sours? Mm-mm. No, it's an IPA. That's weird. They yeah. only usually you just use confusing words for their sours. Fair enough. Yeah, just old now school just kind confusing, of uh, mon- monastic words <laughs> with your compunctions yeah. and your conjunctivitis. You sound Get like a sour here. yourself. Um, okay, after a couple of drinks, it is a little more bitter on the back end, but. I think par for the course for the kind of beer that I've got in front of me. Like I still dig it stylistically. It's, it's not something that I always go for, but I think it's well-made. Obviously. I don't know if that's, I don't even know if we have to have a debate necessarily when it comes to reviewing a Russian river beer, you can, you can pretty much bet that they're going to be well-made beers. And I think most of the time it comes down to personal taste. Yeah, that's super fair. They put out really quality liquid. They don't, I've never had a, like a messed up batch from those guys. I haven't either. Well, except back in the day when it was so highly allocated that people would sit on it for like eight months or nine months and sell you a bottle of Pliny for $15. Remember that time you had one that was like two years old? I didn't just happen to have one, man. I I aged that thing in the sun. And actually, shout out to friend of the show, Brian Massa, because it was his first and he had it for years. And then I was like, well, let me take it for a while. So we we drank it, actually. You and I Yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible. Uh, So bad. Yeah. But it. That should surprise nobody. nobody. Yeah. Um, but but truthfully, there were places that used to sit on these bottles for a very long time, and they were so sought after that people would just buy them anyways. And I think it was also at a time slightly before breweries were quite so diligent about putting canning dates or bottling dates on their stuff, and people were less active in the conversation about freshness, particularly in terms of uh, IPAs. Yeah, the consumer is much more ed- educated this day and age. Yeah, which I think is a benefit to most beer drinking people around around the globe and we helped yeah yeah we did this um dude no i I like this beer a lot it's um i I think i like it more than you did it's not middle of the road for me it's above average but not amazing um and unless you have any other questions for me i'm I'm prepared to give it a rating after maybe one more sip no you rate it and then i'll rate it too because i've had it all right um yeah i think it's a i think it's a solid seven super good beer would drink it again a little bitter for my personal taste but nothing wrong with it that's fair. That's a super solid rating. I gave it a six one. I thought it was good. Like I said, not great. Just and part of this is the curse of their own success. The bar is totally. super high. They did it to themselves. I not sorry. So yeah, in right. the in this pantheon of my flavor profile, liking stuff and also with their pedigree, it's a six one. Once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. If you get a chance to try Mosaic Stack, let us know. The easiest way to do that is to take a photo of yourself drinking that beer and tag us on Instagram at Fresh Hop Cinema. That's right. Are we wrong? Are we right? Do you have thoughts on beer that we should do? 
Or do you just want to give us beer? You should for sure message us on Instagram yeah. or send an email to fhccast at gmail.com uh, and let us know. Feedback, positive, negative, beer suggestions. I want it. Yeah. I want it. There's been a little bit of a lull in the listener feedback, and uh, it's making me sad. Calling so I want to hear from out. you guys. How can people You're even making... give us feedback, though, man, besides besides the stuff you just said? What's that? How can people even give us feedback or, or give us praise? Well, obviously, I want direct praise. Uh, I, I need immediate gratification to the email or the Instagram. Sure. Uh, but if you like this show, uh, a good way to give us praise is five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. It takes two seconds, and if you're at a bar with Max, just, he'll steal your phone and do it himself. I've been known to it's do that. A, yeah. It's a great move uh, because people love the show. They just maybe are not technologically savvy enough. <laughs> and, and young Max, he's a, he's a snapper that will just get on there and boom, 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 five stars. Anyways... What's next? It's a trailer for the movie this week, which is called uh, That Place, Amsterdam. Uh, don't worry. Uh, there's no spoilers in this next segment, so stick around. Harold, I don't know what you think you're doing. Excuse me. Hello. Got a dead white man in a box. Not even a casket. Doesn't even have a top on it. In a pine box of old wood. Who do you think's going to get in trouble here? a favor. Try to be optimistic. You don't get here without things starting a long time ago. So, two soldiers and a nurse found ourselves in Amsterdam. We formed a pact and we swore to protect each other. No matter what. Tax the rich. We find ourselves in a situation where we're accused of killing someone, which is not true. You and Woodman fled the scene. The killer pointed at us. We didn't do anything. Why would you possibly think that was us? Well, there's not too many people that fit the description of a doctor looking for his eye on the ground with his uh, black attorney. Columbia Law School. We need someone to help us to find the truth. My friend was killed because of something monstrous that he had seen. This is all turning out to be a lot larger than any of us. You're going to have to take my lead getting out of this. I had to stab a guy. I had to hit a lady with a brick one time. What? It's a long story, but with you two, it'll be a cakewalk. These are dangerous times. You be careful. I'm about to do something that could cost me my life. The cuckoo is in the nest, and the cuckoo's about to be trapped. Cuckoo. finest innovations from Zurich. It removes all pain. Guys like me, we have to turn to booze, the morphine, and that can lead to addiction. Oh, that's fast. Mm -hmm. That's advanced. 
If you are just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. It is a podcast and sometimes radio show every Thursday about the worlds of craft beer and film. If you're listening on those their radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, you're only going to be hearing the first half of this podcast on the radio today. But if you like to hear the whole show, go subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get quality podcasts like this one. It will be available tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. to stream or download whatever you want. So at the end of this, if you just can't get enough of me and of Max, I wouldn't either. Go listen. Uh, what you just heard was a trailer for Amsterdam. After the death of a prominent World War I general, Harold and Bert, a lawyer and doctor respectively, in the 1930s are hired by the daughter of the deceased to perform an autopsy to investigate the suspicion of foul play. When that daughter is murdered, the two find themselves neck deep in a good old-fashioned American conspiracy. In order to clear their names of the daughter's murder, the two must do their best to find the men who are responsible before being thrown in jail. Like I said at the top of the show, this was uh, directed by David O. Russell, who you might know from Silver Linings Playbook, uh, Three Kings, I Heart Huckabees, and more. It was also written by O. Russell uh, with cinematography by Emmanuel Lubezki, who's worked um, extensively with folks like Alfonso Cuaron and Terrence Malick and Alejandro, uh, Alejandro Iñárritu, um, which are all very distinct visual filmmakers. And I want to spend some time here talking about the visuals of this movie. But before we get there, I wanted to shout out the fact that this was released uh, wide in American cinemas on October 7th. It runs two hours, 14 minutes. And the primary cast are Christian Bale, John David Washington, and Margot Robbie, though the film also has appearances from Anya Taylor-Joy, Rami Malek, Zoe Saldana, Chris Rock, Michael Shannon, Mike Myers, lots of others. Uh, it was made for $80 million in Los Angeles. It was going to be made for $50 million in Boston, but the pandemic got in the way. It's so far been in theaters for about 11 days, has only pulled in about $18 million, and is sitting fairly disapproved of on Rotten Tomatoes with only 33% of critics finding it uh, fresh. So, Johnny, let's talk about it, man. We were both hyped about Amsterdam. What was your experience? Uh, so, brief thoughts in a rating. I yeah. can do that. Um, brief thought, this movie was really disappointing. Oh, man. Um, oh, yeah. Didn't like this one bit. It had such a heavy-handed narration and... The structure of the writing was so almost insulting to the viewer. It just kept repeating itself in ways that I felt completely found completely unnecessary. Amsterdam. <laughs> uh, just, you know, we got to do this because yeah. there's this. There's a this. It, it felt very, I'm going to, I don't know, I've never heard this phrase, but it felt very nyuk, 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 nyuk. Just like it had this like self serving, just conflated sense of what this movie could be or was trying mm -hmm. to be mm -hmm. and tonally it just didn't land i thought it was just ham-fisted sloppy uh i mean the best part of this movie were some of the cameos and some of like the fashion but as a yeah. film the plot was overly narrated somewhat boring little easy to figure out uh, nothing about this was very compelling or good film to me at all so uh Brief thoughts. Thumbs down from one sure. Mr. Johnny Summers. Okay, out of 10, what do you got? Oh, it's like a 3.2. It was bad. So I liked more of it than, than you did. I thought this was a gorgeous-looking movie. Um, I also am a big fan of most of the people in this. Um, Shout-out to also, I think, Taylor Swift in her first maybe <laughs> uh, movie ever. She doesn't do a great job, but it was fun seeing Taylor Swift play a character. Um, 
So even including Taylor Swift, I think it was fun. Like a lot of these people are great on screen. It's it's hard to miss. I would I, I was what I would have said before I saw it. I think if you have Christian Bale, you're you're almost already set up for success. Though I guess maybe I'd point to Thor, the latest Thor movie, and say that's not totally true. But for the most part, I think the people do a good job with what they're given. It's just that when those things come together to form a larger cohesive narrative, it, it doesn't quite work. And I agree with you that there's a ton of convolution, the plot's all mixed up, which which I even like sometimes. I love something like a neo-noir crime thriller dressed up with comedy and jokes and like um, convolution. I think it's a fun time. And I will say I also had fun in the theater. I had a similar experience to this as I had with Don't Worry Darling, which another nice tie-in is that that was also visually stunning. I loved the production design there. I loved it here. Um, the cinematographer, Lubezki, has just a really, really great way of filming people in close-ups. There's a ton of close-up shots, and it all feels very dreamy. And the stuff that takes place in Amsterdam, which is mostly in a flashback, is awesome. Loved all that. Overall, yeah, not a great movie, and that's okay. I still had fun watching it. So for me, it's more like it's more like a five that might turn Still into a six. Still not good rating. No, no, it's like, it's totally middle of the road, um, skewing probably less good, but I really enjoyed it, so I'm gonna kind of bump it up a little bit. But I'm gonna say a five for now. That's where I'm at. I th- okay, and I would love to get into uh, more of what you enjoyed about it. Yeah, well, let's spend some time doing it. Can we Can we take maybe the shorter response here and maybe talk about what you enjoyed about it? Because you um, didn't give it a one. There must have been something. No, I mean... I really enjoy, you know, the three main characters when they were kind of on their own. I think they all had interesting storylines in that they were very unique characters. I think, you know, in a movie that's supposed to be character driven, sure. uh, they had like, I thought fascinating backstories. I thought that there was some decent depth of character in them individually. I think that the interactions between the two, any two and or three of them Mm. uh, just got super muddled and sloppy and it became super unbelievable for me. Okay. Yeah. Um, But I just turned your question into more things I didn't like. You did. You had a, Um, I I liked, (laughs) um, I liked Zoe Saldana. She's always really good. Mm-hmm. I thought she was good in this. She had like kind of a very small supporting role, but um, I liked her because she was one of the only ones that I feel like didn't overcomplicate their characters. She was very much um, supporting cast, but I liked her in it. I think um, trying to think of other things I liked. You know, the fashion was was cool. Fashion was great. But, Anya Taylor know, Joy's red dresses. Yeah, just she's fantastic. Great. Yeah. Um, she's just fantastic anytime she's on screen, Yeah, but I think there was such a lack of things given to work with that, um, you know, great costume design and, um, tons of budget and all the cameos in the world can't save a bad movie. Yeah. What's weird to me is that I would have watched again, it's, it's two hours and 14 minutes long, which even for me, somebody, somebody who enjoyed it. Yeah. And it gets lost in its own pacing several times. There's a lot of frenetic editing and, and the time jumping doesn't help. We kind of go from the 1930s back to world war one in, in 19, I think it was, I think it was 1918 is when they flash back to, uh, in France. And, and that does it no favors. And there's, there's some mixing that happens between who there's actual narration. And sometimes it's Christian Bale and sometimes it's John David Washington and, and the perspective from which we are experiencing these characters shifts pretty dramatically when those people are speaking. Um, so I think none of that is particularly helpful. Um, but what was interesting to me is that even with that long runtime, I think that I would have enjoyed like 60 minute featurettes of some of these side characters own movies. Like I would watch 
Anya Taylor-Joy and Rami Malek's characters and their family dynamics over the course of 60 minutes. Like I would be into that. I'd be into like Michael Shannon and Mike Myers as they're like secret agent bird watching. I'd watch that movie too. Like I like all of these side characters and it's, it's kind of what you're getting at. Like even the main characters are really good on their own. I happen to like some of their stuff as, as a, as a group of friends, but it's not the strongest stuff in the movie. And I think the more David O. Russell tries to tie all these threads together, the, the looser the the overall fabric of the film becomes, so to speak. Yeah, no, I agree. And they did have their moments. The, the three main characters did, especially in, I think what worked was more of the humor between the three of them versus the, the more serious dramatic sure. stuff that yeah. they tried to throw in there. I mean, um, I liked a lot of that. And quite frankly, that Michael Myers and Michael Shannon mm-hmm. cameo, like side plot Mm -hmm. was one of the most enjoyable things in the movie i thought those two on screen had such chemistry and then like yeah michael michael shannon is just kind of a and you know such a powerful presence on screen i know been typed typecasted i think we've talked about this he's always the bad guy like what was he in the in the movie with the train white the white the white death yeah very poorly cast there but in like everything else you're totally right Mm mm-hmm so it's just like I mean, even then, he was still just, like, the most villainous villain. Yep. Like, that was the most ham-fisted, like, over-the-top cartoon character mm-hmm. of a villain. Yeah. Um, but I loved Michael Shannon and Mike Myers in this. The 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 ornithological? Ornithological, yeah. Ornithological society and his fall from grace in that was just this totally unnecessary mm-hmm. but hilarious, like, plot point that they just basically put in there to make jokes about. And... I don't know. I would love to have seen this movie been more unidirectional. It felt like it was like split into like three ideas of what it wanted to be. Like, yeah. did it want to be neo-noir? Did it want to be a conspiracy movie? Did it want to be a drama? Did it want to be a comedy? There were times when I was like, oh God, is this going to be a musical? Yeah. Um, oh, I knew it. When that moment happens, dude, I was, I just laughed inside so hard. I was like, this is where Johnny's going to hate the movie. And it just happens for like two, like not two frames, but like two shots that take five seconds. And then it's mm-hmm. gone. And I was like, okay, he's going to be glad that didn't develop. <laughs> I was very concerned. I swore out loud pretty <laughs> aggressively. Um, but if it would have stuck to being like that noir crime caper, you know, conspiracy movie with that's almost a satire because mm-hmm. it almost became like too heavy handed satire towards the third act. There's some stuff yes. that tries to get like relevant and then like, Chris Rock's whole character mm-hmm. was like kind of interjecting modern day things yeah. Yeah. into this noir. And tonally, it just took me out of the movie, having it feel so confused about like what kind of movie am I watching? Yeah, I'm going to jump in because I think you're hitting on a key point, which I will start by saying every time I revisit Shane Black's 2013 film, The Nice Guys with Russell Crowe and Ryan so Gosling, good. it gets better and better because that's also a movie that has a convoluted plot. It's it's basically a self-aware humorous neo-noir satire kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it gets better because that's a movie that A, knows what it is. And I agree with you, this movie doesn't. But more importantly, when the elements that you are talking about, particularly in the third act, start to come about, you can no longer watch this movie just by asking, what kind of movie is it? You then have to ask, what is this movie trying to say? And mm-hmm. then you start to have to question all of the themes that it's introduced, which is like friendship and loyalty and power dynamics. And and um, I won't say anything else about the third act because I do think it gives away some stuff. Um, but I agree it doesn't stick that landing and it's a really, really stutter step for this movie to have gone that way after setting up what was already a pretty underwhelming, um, thematic foundation. I think I'll take that stutter step one step further and say it pulled a spin move on us. 
Sure. Well, see, I don't No, You're probably right. That I think that's probably valid. Um, and obviously if you haven't heard our show too much before, we're going to talk about some of this with, with less smoke and mirrors. Once we get into the portion of our show where we spoil things called the danger zone, which is just on our podcast. But, um, now that we're just dancing around stuff. Yeah. I, th- I think a, a, a spin move is probably accurate. It really does change tonally into more dramatic and more like by the end, there's a couple of monologues and exposition stuff where it's like, this is the way that we should be as people. And if we are this, then we can beat this. And that is, isn't that the point of, isn't that the point of everything? Which for me undercuts everything I really loved, particularly about the Margot Robbie character being like this, this artist and and the idea that you can be somebody else if you're away from where you grew up, like you can be whoever you want to be. And I really like that character and her, her perspective on stuff. But then, yeah, it feels like by the end of the movie, a lot of that gets undercut or, or weighed down by this big wet blanket of exposition and um, reductiveness. Yep. It shot itself in the foot. Yeah. Um, I really also liked, I liked Zoe Saldana's performance. I liked pretty much everybody's performance. Um, we should shout out Timothy Oliphant quickly. Um, yeah. Of, I don't know. What do you think of when you think of that actor? Uh, I like to think of him as being from, well, he was in Deadwood. So mainly right. that. Okay. I think of Danny Cordray from The Office. Oh, very handsome fellow. He was fella. in the office for like two episodes. He's got that kind of effect on me, man. Um, that's fair. Made very, very like gross in this movie. I also think that's another thing the movie tries to talk about is like the beauty in, you know, disfigurement and injury. There's a lot of emphasis placed on close-ups when they're leaving the war and their injuries. And um, there's a there's a scene with Christian Bale's wife um, where she's like really kind of disgusted by how he looks and the movie tries to take a stance on that but that kind of gets lost by the end too um yeah but, I, mean, but I like the could, seeds there that's you know yeah but like it felt like this movie was like planting a whole garden of seeds that they didn't have the time to water or see grow totally like, there was so many seeds planted and i think that they were just like if you're gonna do that especially with larger issues like war and peace and like violence and self-image mm-hmm. like they need to be fleshed out a bit more thoroughly instead of just kind of hinted at and then thrown away it feels like you're taking a stance to take a t- stance but then mm-hmm. really having no resolution to that stance or, or the way it affects any character in the movie and that yeah that's just bad writing would you watch this again no absolutely not i absolutely would <laughs> Okay, once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. Amsterdam is currently in a theater near you. If you've seen it and you have thoughts of your own, you can reach us again on Instagram at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema or send an email to fhccast at gmail.com. To our radio listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on KZFR 90.1 FM. And as a reminder, if you want to hear the rest of this here conversation, which includes spoilers for Amsterdam, a review of that second beer by myself, and Hot and Bothered, head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to us, Fresh Hop Cinema. The rest of this episode will be available tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., so have some coffee and get us in your ears. To those of you already listening on your favorite podcast app, we will be right back. Danger 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 Zone. Welcome to the Danger Zone, the portion of the now exclusively podcast where we give you one last heads up. Actually, your first and last heads up. We are now going to spoil Amsterdam. If you haven't seen it, you want to, aka you care about anything being spoiled. You can pause the show. You can go watch the movie. It's two hours and 14 minutes long. And we promise our buttery, sweet voices will be waiting for you when you get back. But if you don't, here we go. Spoilers for Amsterdam. 
Johnny, let's talk about the third act. Let's talk about some of these um, inconsistencies about what the movie is trying to say. What rubbed you the wrongest way? Um, Robert De Niro's character in its entirety. All right. Who is, was, what's described the character for people who haven't seen it? He, he plays General Dylan Beck. The general, like just that. say the general. Yeah. The general. He's the general. His wife calls him the general. Everyone calls him the general. Everyone calls him the general, and he's this big war hero, and he's the guy that they have to get to talk at their their big reunion type shits for the veterans. Uh, for the veterans, but then the spies, Michael Shannon and Mike Myers, mm. uh, blah blah blah. They need him to come out to bust, like draw the fascists out of hiding. Did I'm, like really thin- quick for this setup? Did this remind you at all of Inglorious Bastards? And maybe I'm only thinking that because of the because of the Mike Myers character from that movie. But like yeah, this was, was like bringing Hitler to the theater and then burning it down. Yeah, okay, exactly. Great. It was very, very derivative yeah. uh, of that movie. And yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Like, I feel like I've seen this and I feel like I've seen this done better. Mm-hmm. Um, but that whole character that Robert De Niro played was just so like masturbatory. It was just like so full of like self-congratulation it was ridiculous yeah and that like from that point on like the over narration just got really it was hitting me over the head and it was just insulting and like i get impatient when people repeat themselves for no reason and this movie kept doing that at me and i just wanted it to stop max there was this interview I think it was by Vanity Fair. They do this actors roundtable series, and there was one with uh, I want to say De Niro, Adam Driver, uh, maybe Jamie Foxx, Shia LaBeouf, and I want to say Adam Sandler. Oh, and I think Tom Hanks, but that might be a different one. Anyways, at one point, De Niro goes on this rant about because um, I think he was promoting it might have been The Irishman, and mm. the question was about modern day politics, and then De Niro kind of started talking about this not so subtle thing about his opinions on Trump, which are not favorable maybe predictably, especially after seeing Mm -hmm. this movie. And this is the kind of stuff that tries to bring in, you mentioned Chris Rock, which already feels like weirdly anachronistic out of place in a 1930s movie, speaking the way he does, which is basically just his stand-up voice. Yeah. Um, And then you get Robert De Niro kind of talking about the rise of fascism and how we as Americans can't stand for this and democracy needs to rule. And that all comes in, yeah, very heavy-handed towards the end, and it's impossible not to relate what he's talking about in the film to what he was talking about in real life slash what you know, has been talked about in, in the American political stratosphere over the past six years. Yeah. Which again, yeah. like and I'm movies like, have done was, this. Yeah, it's done. It's been done. It felt so done. And for it to pivot that hard at the end and take this big stance, it feels like it just completely abandoned what it was trying to do. And it was trying to do it before and it wasn't even fucking doing it well. So like take all these things that you're trying to half-ass and then completely turn it around and make it like super pointed and like have a political stance and then still try and rope us in with a little bit more drama and like a little bit more humor and like weird flashbacks that don't happen. That mm-hmm. was weird too. Oh, like, that was tough. I didn't love that. No, it's just, it's a, it's a device. I get it, but it wasn't employed well, no. but not a lot of the devices employed in this movie were used well. So I can't say that I was surprised, but it was just, this movie kept frustrating me. It was, it was a tough watch, man. Yeah. My thing is with respect to the ending there that the, or the final, maybe 20, 30 minutes is that I don't really understand how you can make world war one, an autopsy with an open chest or any number of heavy subjects that we deal with in the beginning of the movie. So fun. 
but then make mm-hmm. an evening at a veterans gala with like hijinks and music and everything. Make it so heavy and devoid of whimsy and any sense of lightness. It just it was yeah. such a bummer. And and that's the most extreme tonal shift that I would point to in the movie. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's like it stopped, and they could have, but it stopped trying to be a comedy and stopped. It stopped not taking itself seriously, and then started. It stopped taking itself it stopped seriously. Ta- yeah, okay, I got you. Sure. Um, yeah, man. So I think Silver Linings Playbook, another David Russell movie, won like fourteen Academy Awards or something, or maybe fourteen nominations. I can't remember. Um, or maybe I'm thinking of American Hustle. Whichever one, David Russell knows that he can win Oscars or at least get nominations. And yeah. I think that might explain at least in part kind of the, the way this movie went. I also don't know a lot about this, but there's been a lot of public backlash against David O. Russell for being kind of a dick. Uh, and I'm not really sure what the context is, but even hearing that little bit of information, knowing that he wrote a movie where the fundamental ideology when it boils it down is like, we just need kindness to defeat the world kind of rubs me in a really hypocritical, disgusting kind of way. Yeah. And I don't know. Uh, man, I don't know. If we're, if we're canceling people just cause they're dicks, I'm in, I'm in big trouble. Well, I'm sure. Yeah. You'd be gone a long time ago. Uh, I think it's more than that. Um, no, that, but yeah, he, and he's not canceling. I just think he's got a reputation for not being a stellar dude. Mm. But I guess you can, you know, you can write whatever you want. If that's a movie you want to write. Awesome. But I think some, some of the negative reception this movie has gotten is in part because of like the hypocrisy of whatever he's done or become and then doing this movie. Yeah. Huh. But I don't well, know. I mean, yeah. Nor do I think that's a reason to discredit a movie, by the way. Uh, yeah, I just totally. Think it's interesting social commentary to some extent. Yeah, that makes sense. It's uh it's a take that I'm sure some reviewers are yeah. uh, tinted by. Dude, I've read a few reviews and people in a number of them people seem more concerned with the overarching themes of his filmographic career than the movie itself. And I was like, you're I think you're missing the point of reviewing a movie. Like you can review his filmography, but but call that the article, not like my review of Amsterdam and there's two sentences about it at the end. <laughs> yeah, like if you're going to review a body of work, that's one thing. Yeah, but that's totally valid, but call it what it is. If you're going to review them, I mean, and sometimes that's relevant. I mean, if it's it's a derivation, like a deviation of like someone's normal status quo. Yes. Or if it's such so far off of the quality of being a good film, maybe you bring in someone's body of work. But yeah, let's let's talk about the yep. thing in front of us. Uh, you got anything else on Amsterdam? Um. No, I just think people looked so beautiful in this movie. I cannot stand what's his face, uh, John David Washington. No, the Christian face. Bale, the no, face, the fucking face, Rami Malek. Oh no, do you see? I even thought he looked stellar. He looks like he's related to Anya Taylor They're weird, like cheekbones and jawlines. I love his face. I love his mouth. I think it's so weird. I want him to. I want him to bite me with his little overbite. I want it, and I want it bad. All right. That just got weird. <laughs> Pop in those teeth from Bohemian Rhapsody, and I'm I'm done. I mean, no, <laughs> please God, no, <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so nothing else on this then. Uh, no, 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 no. All right, no, no. Let's no. open up your first beer and a beer that I have questions about. Do you have it in front of you? Oh yeah. Okay. So, Johnny Summers, tell me the beer that you have chosen. Oh, by the way, I wanted to shout out one thing that I usually try to say at the top of the Danger Zone about my beer, which is that when I purchased it at Craft, I got three of these beers, and the total out the door was like sixteen fifty or something, and they're the, the Russian River ones, so I think they're probably like $6 or something. 
cannot beat that. I know. So how much was yours? Where did you get it? And remind people what you are drinking. Um, it was $21 for the four pack of Spiritual Moment uh, West Coast, Hazy West Coast IPA oh, from Slice Beer Company out of Lincoln, mm-hmm. not Colorado, not Nebraska, right. California. Were you at the brewery? Yeah. Oh, nice, dude. Okay, that's fun. Yeah, I went to pick up my sister-in-law from the airport last mm. week, mm-hmm. and I was like, we waste not, we want not. Like, we shall drive out of our way to go to Lincoln. <laughs> We're going to Lincoln. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Yeah. What's the beer? I went out there and treated myself to a couple four packs because we had some some fun things, some not fun things to do last weekend. So there was like a party and a funeral and then a barbecue and it was a whole thing. And I'm like, I'm going to need some good beer mm-hmm. at least most of the points along this path I'm traveling. So grabbed a four pack of this and a four pack of their fest beer that was really good. And uh, I was curious about this one because... On paper, it should be something that I'm super into because I historically say I like hoppy, hazy beers. Like I like a New England style that's more hop forward, and I didn't ever think to say it. I would have made me sound like a genius, but man, I would love a a hazy West Coast IPA. You've essentially Um, just deconstructed a question I was going to ask you in like three minutes, but okay. Oh, well, ask it. Well, I'm not. We're not ready yet. (laughs) Okay. So. yeah, tell yeah. me about the beer. So that's why I picked up this beer. It was just uh, it was an intriguing stylistic choice, and I wanted to try it out for myself. Okay, uh, untapped description. I was about to take a drink. Uh, Nelson and Rawaka hops take you on a lupulin journey with flavors and aromas of Sauvignon grapes, passion fruit, diesel, yeah, gooseberry, and ripe kumquat. I saw that too. I was like, "What are you talking about? What do you mean diesel?" Uh, okay, I, I take it that you're tasting it. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. Rewaka, Nelson hops. Those are New Zealand hops. If you didn't know of New Zealand yes. hops, there's about 18, not you. I know, you know, there's about 18 varietals <laughs> uh, of those 18 Nelson and Motueka make up like 50% of what is used in modern beers. The next two big ones are uh, Rakao and of course, Rewaka. Um, now we spent some time on the show talking about Nelson Savine hops, but less about the Rewaka hop, despite having drank, I think at least a few beers that have had it. Don't you think? Yeah. Um, so let's, let's talk about it. It was first released to the beer world in 1997, which I don't, I don't know who was making craft beer with Rewaka hops in 97. It didn't get any real traction until many years later. Um, I also learned today while researching this, that it's named for the Rewaka river in the Northwestern part of New Zealand's South Island, which by the way, flows through the Nelson region of New Zealand, making this a nice tie in with the inclusion, obviously of the Nelson hop in the beer that you have in front of you. They're all fed by the same waters. Sure. Uh, it's got a super high oil content. It's almost got a one-to-one alpha to beta acid ratio, making it pretty ideal for what you are drinking it in, which is, like you said, a hazy West Coast IPA. So before uh, you start talking, let's talk expectations. Like you said, you historically are a big fan of an aggressive, bitter, hoppy West Coast IPA. Obviously less a fan of sweeter and fruitier New England IPAs. So what are you hoping to get out of a beer that claims to be a hazy West Coast IPA, are you going to be more lenient towards some of those sweet notes if it has the bitterness as well, or does this thing just need to pick a lane and maybe stay in it? What are you hoping for? No, I'm I'm not going to be more lenient if it's too sweet. I think in naming a beer and choosing to make this style, there requires a great amount of it requires a great amount of restraint when you're including the hazy portion of things. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's not done in harmony with the hops, the sweetness and the juiciness, um, 
will take over, and then it's just a hazy IPA. Then you just made yep. a treehouse beer. Yep. So no, yeah, there's no room for forgiveness if this beer is too sweet because you are you are trying to differentiate yourself from an entire category by making something, merging the styles. So it cannot be too much of one or too much of the other. It has to have perfect harmony of those two elements of sweetness and bitterness and dryness to, you know, those two have to interact in complete equal ratio for this to be successful. So no, I was judging this very sternly when I picked it up. Okay, we're going to revisit that balance in a minute. But like you said, Ruwaka, uh, grapefruit, citrusy, uh, kumquat, Nelson Salvin, white wine, kind of like a Sauvignon Blanc, and gooseberry. So we're talking really light and bright flavors, but we're also talking about a 7% beer, arguably fairly mm -hmm. heavy. So now that you've tasted it, how do the flavors stack up against what could be a pretty heavy mouthfeel? Well, you know, it drinks with a nice full body. It does have a nice haze to it. Like it looks like it should be sickly sweet. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's a bit concerning, but it does have a nice full body, full mouthfeel. So it's not thin by any stretch of the imagination. Um, the first thing you're hit with is a subtle splash of sweetness mixed with kind of a pulpy, pithy, fresh-squeezed orange juice vibe. So okay. it's sweet in the way that like super fresh orange juice is that has that pulp that's got that that pithiness ingrained in the liquid you're drinking it. So it's it's a sweetness that is not fully developed into a saccharin overwhelming sugary sweetness it's it's there but it's subtle so that's the first thing i notice is that it's really an approachable sweetness it's not overwhelming and then it kind of blossoms into this really much more pithy citrus bomb of a beer with super like dry bitterness somewhere in the middle towards the back end and it is really hitting that balance that we talked about of, my God, this is hazy, and it's got enough juice for me to get why they call it a hazy beer, and it's got that punch of that bitterness, that earthiness, the citrus pop. So it's it's not too earthy. It's not too citrusy. It's really just in, like, perfect harmony. All these, these elements are coming together to make a fantastic beer. Okay, then... What is your, I mean, you've been a long time proponent of sliced beer. Yeah. When is the first time you, when do you know when they were founded? Cause they're fairly new. Are they not? Uh, they are. I can look it up. I want to say it's like, I, the date's not really important to my question. I just want to know how long you've been drinking their beers and, and generally are you pretty favorable towards them or have there been some misses? Uh, no, I'm a huge fan, a uh, big fan of their beer. They, I think they're doing some of the best hoppy and uh, hazy beers on the West Coast. Yeah, okay. Uh, it sounds like this one's maybe no exception, but is there anything you're not liking about what you have in front of you? Um, honestly, there's not a whole lot. It does finish a little bit dry, but I would prefer that mm -hmm. rather than like a mouthwatering level of juice. Uh, so I'm I'm okay with it. Uh it does have, you know, a bitter hoppy aftertaste, but it should. So I'm not, no, long story short, there is not much I don't like about this beer. All right. Well then before I ask for your rating, I, my final question is, ha have you actually in fact had a spiritual moment with spiritual moment? I think I've had several. Well, that's great news. Yeah. So, so yeah. mission accomplished. Yeah. No, I drank this beer 
over a pretty tough weekend. Yeah. We were actually like digging physically with shovels, digging a hole to spread Shalina's father's ashes. And oh. I was drinking one of these while we were doing that. All right. And I was looking well. at the beer in the can. I'm like, fuck me. All right. Slice. This was a aptly purchased beer that I didn't really put much thought into, but is now suddenly relevant. I suppose so. Okay. Well, yeah. let's give it out of, or not let's, you give it an out of 10, sir. Um, out of 10. You know, this is a style that I've never really explored because there's no beers out there that are claiming to be a hazy West Coast mm-hmm. IPA. So, like, there might be one or two out there, but, like, I can't recall with a great amount of clarity doing one on the show. So I kind of have to judge this as a brand new thing. Um, and this beer is setting the bar tremendously high. Um, I'm going to give Spiritual Moment a 9.3. Very, I think it is very high marks. It is one of my favorite beers that I've had this year. Um, I think it is a beer that I would seek out if they make it again. I'm actually going to see if you're driving through Sacramento, if you want to drive through Lincoln and buy a four-pack of this so we can drink it together. I would love that. Um, It is doing brand new things. And in this world of craft beer Mm -hmm. that you and me have been living in for a long time together – to get something brand new that is bringing something to the table that is innovative and surprising, that is so refreshing. And also to have it marry two styles that one you love, one you're kind of on the fence about, you're kind of over, and to bring that haze into something that I can really stand behind and say, holy shit, I want to drink that beer every day. There's no way this can't be in the nines. So all day, spiritual moment, 9.3 for me. Very nice. You might recall about 30 minutes ago, I told you that I thought you might want to try the beer that I'm drinking. So I actually bought a whole nother bottle. So out of curiosity, do you have any of these left? This is one last one out Come of the four pack. Oh, man. Okay. I know. <laughs> well, maybe I can arrange a trip to uh, to slice myself. But in the meantime, do you have anything else on spiritual moment? Um, I think it's fantastic. I think if you have a chance to pick it up from the brewery while it is still available, I would 100% do it. And um, I'm a big fan of their hoppy and hazy beers. The stouts are hit or miss for me. They had one out when I went there called Coffin Nails, I believe. Uh, It was a peanut peanut butter chocolate stout. It's a pastry stout, Uh, yeah? Yeah. 13%. I believe. Yeah, and I went and I was there and, and I had a sample of it and I thought it was very good, very good peanut butter. But for me, quite frankly, the bang was not worth the buck. They what were was, charging. What, yeah, what was the buck? The buck. Thir- uh, $38 for Oof. a four-pack of 16-ounce cans. And it was 13%, but it's not barrel-aged. It's just a really big, super sweet, like you'll get diabetes dessert stout. And I don't think I could ever imagine me wanting more than eight ounces of that at any one time. Yeah. So I couldn't justify that. But that being said, it's worth getting a pour of it if you're there. I've had a coffee stout from them that was well worth a, a higher price tag. So you kind of have to play it on a case-by-case basis. But um, the long and short of it is I don't think you should be sleeping on beer if you're anywhere in Northern California. Do you know what I think is just so delicious? Is mm. that I just asked you for your final thoughts on this particular beer, and then you gave me an overview on the brewery, much like the reviewers were giving a review to Amsterdam, but actually did a review of the filmography of the filmmaker. <laughs> You've done this it. This beer is tremendous. It's the most amazing beer. Um, I love it. That's I think that's the takeaway. And yeah, the brewery is great too. But specifically to answer your question, Max, I love this beer. And if you love me, you should try it. And with that, away we go into Hot and Bothered. Hot. 
Welcome to Hot and Bothered, the portion of the show where we talk about our week's good, bad, and the ugly, sometimes one or the other, sometimes all three. Um, Johnny, are you ugly this week? No, I'm much less ugly this week than last week. Yeah, we took our week off, and it was really good for my mental health. I've been trying actively to pay attention to what I need more psychologically, and it was... I think you could hear it in my voice when you were calling and talking about scheduling. I was like... You know, I remember just saying, like, man, like, it really wouldn't hurt my feelings if we had to cancel because we both have so much going on. And, like, that's my fucked up brain, like, not wanting to just cancel, even though I know mm-hmm. it's the right thing for me. It's yeah. like, oh, it's Max's idea, and it just makes me happy. But, like, I'm trying to really work on taking ownership of that and not, um, like, compromise. Like, take mental health days. Be more self-aware of what I need psychologically and, you know. Unfortunately, sometimes that means maybe not doing a podcast one week, but ideally that doesn't happen. And ideally there's less bullshit being thrown at me by life where I am super excited and want to do this and it's an escape and it's not a chore. And it's usually 99% of the time, not a chore. So, uh, that's how I knew I last week, my Mm -hmm. mental health was in need of some decompression. So in a, in a sentence to recap, so I can put it in the notes, you're saying that you have refocused your mental energy into taking stock of your mental health and knowing when to say enough is enough. I need a break. Mm-hmm. I think that's a wonderful thing to have out in hot and bothered. That's what I think. Yeah. I've been really, it's a big flaw of mine. I don't ask for help. Um, mm-hmm. And like that one week, like two weeks ago, like uh, I was like, just texted you. I was like, dude, can you please go get beer? Like I just, yeah. For I I legit I was I felt like such a fuck up a reasonable I request at, <laughs> I was at SNS though like that's how fucking in the game my brain was not I legitimately forgot I had a beer podcast and I needed to buy beer like yeah. I've been doing this every week for fucking ever and it just was like and I was like dude I need help like yeah. I forgot to buy beer I haven't ever done that and it was really humbling. And it like I had to fucking set aside some shit to do that, but I appreciate you buying beer, but it was kind of hard for me to ask that, and that's like something that's worth taking a look at for myself. Well, I think that's lovely. I have something quite a bit less insightful for my hot and bothered this week. <laughs> so bear with even, me. I wasn't even trying to add anything to hot and bothered. I was just like talking about my shit, bro. <laughs> you know, you when you start getting vulnerable, you swear a lot more. You know yeah, that? it makes sense. It's you just It's probably. almost like your brain is, is like using all of its energy to talk about the emotions you're feeling and cannot spare the capacity to go searching for bigger words. You just go, I got to fucking work on my shit, bro. <laughs> yep. Which is lovely. That's what I appreciate about you. I'm not a complicated man. I'm going to Atlanta this weekend. So by the time... But, well, what so, the fuck? So the day this episode drops... Oh. I'm playing. Going to see the boy. Can I do? Can I do my own hot? Please don't spoil this. Sorry, vibe. I just got really excited. It's I so forgot. exciting. That's why it's in hot and bothered. I'm going to be playing at a winery Friday night, then leaving from the winery, going to the Sacramento airport, and flying to Atlanta with a stopover in New York. Which, if you're at all familiar geographically with the layout of the United States, you're like, why would you do that? I will answer that now. It's cheaper, and it's the only way that it could work with my schedule. So, I'm flying to Atlanta to see my favorite comedian, Mike Brabiglia. I'm taking my aunt. Who recently, my aunt, which I just had. Did you watch? You did. Did you watch Minuscule Valley of the Lost Dance? I know you did, but yeah. the listeners need to know. I did. Good. We're going to talk about that at some point. Um, not today. Um, anyways, I'm taking my aunt to see Mike Probiglia kind of as an early 
kind of Christmas present. He's playing there um, and playing, performing. He's speaking there. Um, and then I'll be back a couple days later and then back to shows. But it's this one little weekend of reprieve where I'm just going to go and laugh. And uh, it's going to be so wonderful. He's very, very good, if you don't know. I love it. I'm super stoked for you. Okay. You got anything else this week? I mean, I have a bunch of movies that I've watched since we took the last week off. But uh, in the interest of time and you having to get to work, I would say I will save that for next week and kind of give a scary movie rundown of the few scary movies that I've watched in the last uh 14 days. Sure. I bet you if people wanted a sneak peek, they could just check your letterbox to get a little preview. Yeah, 100%. Perfect. Or they could just email us at fhccast at gmail.com or go on the Instagram and message us or just text me. Or support us my on friends. Patreon at patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. Or if this doesn't help them learn anything, but they could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and that makes us feel good. That's fair. That's All right. 100% fair. I got to look into some Atlanta breweries now, see if I can get you to smuggle back some beer, son. I probably could. Yeah. I Well, I wasn't planning on taking a, a checked bag, but, you know, mm. maybe we could. Maybe we'll throw that out to our people on Patreon if anybody wants. We'll get a list of, like, breweries kind of in Atlanta. And if we get enough people interested that it would no, justify checking a bag, I'm super down. Nope. You're giving yourself work and you're trying to have I know. A I love work. It's great. I know, but you shouldn't. You're going on vacation. Just if you were had to check back, okay, I was going to say throw in a couple. Picking beers. up beers is not work. What kind of world do we live in? Or that the is one work. where this is something we do obligatorily. As usual, the show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi, all of our folks on Patreon. Shout out to the Handlebar for having a sweet happy hour seven days a week. And my name is Max Minardi. Thanks for listening. My name is Johnny Summers. Be sure to watch movies about tiny little ants that your friend recommends multiple years ago, but you finally get around to because you decide to be less of a piece of garbage. Uh, drink some tasty beers. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And most importantly, be good to each other. We'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.